Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 262 for November 18th, 2020. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Klingspore Woodworking Shop, hit it, oh, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, uh, I can't love that. the same thing twice. Scott Turner, mm-hmm. Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. What are we working on? I'd like to hear from the illustrious, the prolific, the magnanimous Billy Lutz. What's shaking? Well, I'd like to tell you what I'm working on. But I've already completed it. I am working on something, or I worked on something. Um, I worked on uh, getting healthier. Yeah, no, no, I'm just kidding. So um, I put up lights for the first time in, I think, the second time in the 10 years that I've lived in this house. Um, mm. I did some decorating. We, After everything that's been going on and the craziness and the uncertainty and the, and the bickering back and forth between colors i decided you know what we could use in our household is is some some bright lights and some decorations and some stuff so i had i had bought a christmas tree pre-lit uh led christmas tree last year after christmas and uh, that's the spirit yeah dude i'm telling you it was it was on sale it was like a 200 hundred dollar tree i got for like 39 bucks nice so anyway, it's a, but it's small and it fits our, our living room and I'd forgotten about it. So I, you know what? I, I bought that in case we wanted to do lights because normally we're just not home enough and we don't have kids and you know, nah, nah, nah. so why? So this year I said, no, screw that. So while Casey was at work, I rearranged the living room and uh, I got the tree out and I decorated it and everything. And then she came home and she's, and it's in a position where she, didn't, she actually didn't notice, even though you can kind of see twinkling lights from the window but she was on yeah. the phone with her mom and dad so she gets out of the car she opens the front door she's like oh my god there's a tree <laughs> so that must have been nice for her though it, it was it was a lot of fun and then uh, the following day um, I did the outside of the house so when she drove up in the driveway she's like oh my god there's a tree so it, what a great Casey impression you do I sound just like her you don't even know the half of my it's impression it's like she's sitting right here it's crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah just kidding she sounds much lovelier than that <laughs> so that's that's kind of what I did, and now I've got um, I got stuff in my garage now that was somewhat somewhat. I'm hoping this will help me get out of my little. Um, I'm not making crap right now, uh, but I got Christmas stuff in my garage that I have to straighten up my garage again. And mm-hmm. so once I start putting all the stuff away, and then I see the wine barrel staves that are still sitting there, and my sketches and some other stuff. Hopefully that'll be like, yeah, yeah okay, I'll get out on the right. But I just haven't felt a hundred percent yet. You know, I'm still working on that. I was working on uh, working on getting um, penetrated by um, a Chinese doctor. Whoa, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Simmer down there, Bill. It's a um, rated G Hey, podcast. I'm trying everything I can. Uh, so I tried acupuncture for the first time and chiropractic oh, sense. Uh, for the first time. So I had um, my back cracked and my body penetrated, basically. So Tuesday. Well, you look... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look way more relaxed. So the penetration clearly did you a world of good. Um, there's no amount... Uh, no, I, I'm not going. I was going to go somewhere with that, and I'm not going to do please, it. No. Uh, anyway, so yeah. So I'm I'm trying to. I am making myself better, and I'm making happiness at my house. Go ahead, top that. How many of those barrel staves do you have? A barrel's worth. Just one barrel. Yeah. And what are you trying to make out of it? Like, what's the end goal? You want it to be a coffee table? Uh, I don't. Uh, so I was going to do an art piece. I was going to do an art piece as opposed to a piece of furniture. Then I thought, you know okay. what? With the, if I do this right, I can make a piece of furniture that looks like an art piece. Okay. So here's an idea, and I think I saw this the other day. I don't remember, but so uh, you put all the staves on their side. So imagine that they're all curved, like this. I got you. Know you. What I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And then you glue them all together, so that you're basically okay. made like a curved tabletop. Okay. But then you, if you have enough of them, and then you do like another section, so that it's continues on, so it's longer, right? So it kind of looks like an S now. Okay. And then you glue enough of them together to fill it out, and then you basically use a circ saw to turn that into a rectangle, and you cut away the excess. I got you. I got you. And so that's your uh, the only top. thing is they don't fit together like you think they do because they're not only curved this way, but they're actually concave as well. Yeah, so you'd have to basically use like epoxy resin to fill in the voids and just compress it as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, it would be... It, I've got some... I like that idea, and I've I, I, I seen some stuff like that that I would like to yeah. try with just bent wood. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think the, the wine barrels, I think it would be a lot of... That would take a lot of either glue or something to try and... You know, I can't think if you if I could plane them, if I could run them through the planer somehow, right? That would give me a nice. Well, you flat could surface. because you could turn them into twelve-inch sections, right, with the circ saw. But what you need to do first is run them. If they if they kind of look like a, I don't know, like a diamond, right? If you look at them the long ways, because you're saying that they're curved both this way and they're they have this sort of like uh, I don't know. You'd have to run them through the bandsaw to get rid of one side that was curved out. So obviously this stave is curved like a rocking chair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then when you look at it this way, it's actually curved like this. And the outer diameter, which is slightly curved like that, is a different. They're not going to fit. It's a different together. radius. Yeah, they're all going to be. Right. Yeah. So put two of them together. Let's see what that bench, looks like. Like you're talking about, if you look at them, they're, they're stacked up like that. Yeah. But when you put them together, there's just, there's no amount of clamps in the world that are going to get them to sit perfect you know right I mean? they're not exactly the up. same yeah yeah so epoxy. Yeah, and they're all different widths i don't know why they do that but they're because someone did math wrong i've watched what my wine barrel yeah. stayed doing it and they do that because if you throw a bunch of uh, odd shaped pieces together you can actually finish it easier when it comes down to the last two, because they put it together like do 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 do, right? Yeah, it's a whole art. It's only watertight when they put the water in it, and it forces the staves out. 
Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a whole thing to it. It's interesting. I don't yeah, so they, they've got different sizes and different buckets, and I mean, or. And anyway. the um, you know, like the Epoxy New York would be the only way to do it. You know, like the New York City water towers, those giant water towers. They still make some of those out of wood too, and it's the same way as a barrel, but yeah. they're big. They're like twenty feet in diameter. Right. They're incredible. So here, look at look at this idea here, real quick. Here's here's part of one leg. This goes like this, like a V shape almost. Yeah, right? like and then on this v. part, it goes like this. So I'm making like a Z. Like a Z, yep. Yeah, or a and Z, then, um, if you will. Either like maybe a table and or a desk and or. Yeah, but I feel like we just keep coming back to my idea because it's probably the best one. <laughs> Your idea is the best one. I just it's not it's not feasible with what the material I have. Yeah, those we, those well, curves well, are like. How come you can't buy like twelve or eighteen gallons of, of epoxy resin? I feel like it's super cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Build a form. We're, we're done. But you got it. Okay, so think about this, Phil. You've got these things like you want to. You, you've got them clamped together. How are you going to keep that epoxy from just running out? You have to build a form. Yeah, it's build a form for them. And if I'm going to build a form for them, then I'm just going to build a box. I'm going to lay them in whatever direction I want and just fill it up with epoxy. Why are we arguing? You already have your plan. I'll wait. Go ahead. It reminds me of the table Jimmy made with epoxy. He threw a dead rat in it and some other stuff and... It'd basically be the same thing, but just a lot of the same thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you would arrange it. So, yes, you'd build a form, but then you would arrange the staves however you want them, maybe even in that same form, or in that same shape that we're talking about where they're all sort of that way. And, uh, and yeah, and then it would be held together that way. But uh, actually, you have to made a table making out of a big, pennies, Making a big resin pour is pretty trendy lately, and I'm just going to back away from that. I, I just, I don't want to... Not with wine barrels. I've never seen be a, leader. a pour with wine. Be a leader. Yeah, don't be a, be a follower. Be a leader. Be a leader. Yeah, yeah I don't want to just do what everybody else is doing, you know? Yeah. Maybe, a wine, maybe a wine barrel river table art piece. Palette tip. Palette. The the curve of those things is like a blessing and a curse. It's like what's so attractive about them is that they're curved, but then it's so obnoxious about them because it really limits a lot of what you can do. Well, the, yeah, there, I mean, there's two there's two things to it. Visually, if you can see the staves and you recognize them immediately, it's neat because I've now I've made a rocking chair out of wine barrel staves. I've made tables. I've done that. So that's exactly, kind of neat. It's yeah. like oh, you made this thing out of wine barrel staves, or you mill it down and you're using this curved oak to create something, but then you take away what it, the look of, it's like, so if people don't see that it once was a wine barrel, they just have to believe you when you put, I made this out of wine barrel. Uh, but I do that all the time. To be honest with you, I have, and I, we're sort of off topic here, but I don't care. Um, I do that all the time. I make things mm -hmm. out of other things and I plane them down and I'll be like, this was a desk. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just wood, saying there's, there's the, story that, the two exists. perspectives. That's all. Yeah. 100%. But like I will have made a uh, a chessboard, and I'll be like, "This used to be a seventy-five-year-old desk. This is extinct chestnut, and this is oak from a hundred and seventy-five-year-old ship." They don't care that it doesn't look like a ship. No, no, no. I get that. I, I wasn't arguing that. I was just saying it's like there's a, there's an aesthetic to it being recognizable as a as a wine. No question. The, the curve the curve is sexy, you know, and so it's like it's almost like a shame to lose it, you know. I'm just saying using reclaimed wood in its original state. Yeah. Isn't necessary for its heritage and for its well, story I mean, to be I'm gonna, I'm gonna have maintained. To, I'm going to have to mill these down in some respect anyway. The other idea I had was if, if I had these two, this is my Bauhaus idea. So if I had these two kind of coming up like this like a sculpture and then taking the metal rings and trying to make 
fins almost sticking out of one side. I'm just looking at all these different Bauhaus designs. What about yeah, like um, what about some sort of chandelier? If you almost set it up like a like a propeller or like a windmill with like that the metal connecting it like that, so it went around a full circle and it had oh. lights in there and stuff, and it hung from the ceiling, and it was that'd be a big you brilliant brilliant. There's, there's a lot a of believe room. it or not, if you if you Google wine barrel chandelier oh, sure. or yeah. light, yeah. you're gonna see a bunch of those already. So because yeah. even just like an X, but you're like but you're in the airport business. And if you made, like, an old-timey propeller out of these things, two of them facing each other, like, mm-hmm. t- three pairs of two of, them f- of, f- of two of them facing each other? Yeah. Yeah. As, exactly. And that's your propeller, and then you have your light fixture on each point. I think that's different. That's a connection to the wine staves, to you. And pilots and love to, to drink. for coming up with that. Right? Yeah, and pilots love to drink, yeah. <laughs> see, you know what's weird is is people do see me as aviation related, and I'm really not. Yeah. I just happen to do maintenance at an airport. I know. Yeah. I have so little interest in aviation. It's just it's sad. I'm Other than if I ruin everything. No, 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 no. I'm, again, I'm conversating. I'm conversating, not ruin, Phil. There's conversating. There's taking your idea, letting it soak, and 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 become a part of my my little sticky notes at the back of my brain because I will use your idea maybe not in that sense but I will take that stick those two together like this and maybe make something I don't know so it's never ruined it's just uh, how could you work at an airport and not be fascinated by airplanes because I don't care about it. You take pictures of them every other day as an airplane picture. I, I do because people like airplanes, and I like the fact that I can lay underneath one and take a picture of it while lying on my back underneath the propeller or yeah. climbing on top of my truck. and get. So I like the ability to have a different perspective with what I do with the pictures. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is, I got no interest in airplanes whatsoever besides like studying them like works of art and photographing them. But other than that, I don't every care about day. airplanes. Every day. Well, I mean, okay, so, so again, people who are interested in airplanes, they know, like, oh, this is a B-72 teardrop bomber made back in 1988. I don't care. It's a plane. It either has propellers or it don't. And according to Taz, some propeller planes are still jets. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even handle this now. It's like, no, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, yeah. I mean, I think you can appreciate the beauty of something without getting into the technicality of it. And I think well, understanding it's Then form I do it, that. Then I do that. Yeah. But it, as far yeah. as like being into aviation, like, you know, I love airplanes and I want to have one one day and become a pilot. And I was like, no, I don't. I just <laughs> have one, one. I want to settle down with a nice woman and I want to have an airplane one day. I want to have a whole Some people, whole people who are avionic freaks are like that. They actually, that's their dream. They want to get a license. They want to, they want to sure. get a plane and, and have babies. I don't right. know. Well, the planes are the babies in the euphemism, right? Some and you know what and pilots just so you know and I, if anybody's out there listening as a pilot I'm not talking about you in particular but pilots are a one. freak of freaking nature they just are they just are and most of them are rude and obnoxious and except that comes with any elitism right oh no uh oh mm, here Uh-oh. we go we just we just lost Uh-oh. our last listeners we just oh my god. Oh my god. His, his heart just shrank three sizes, guys. No, man, and I love these people and I and I actually I provide them with amazing service and customer service. Um, but they're jerks. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Tim, what are you working on? Please change the subject. I just got this great contract with this local um, aeronautics uh, club. And <laughs> yeah. the nicest guys I ever met. Pilots. Love them all. Yeah. Love them all. They're fantastic people. Uh 
<laughs> backbone of the country. Uh, I actually have a project uh, coming up. It looks like it's going to go through where... Uh, sort of like it sort of ties into those oak staves. Um, I got a base that I'm designing for a guy, and uh, we're talking about it's going to be a, like an arch top, like a semi hollow, and like it's we're kind of dubbing it the hillbilly base right now, based on his idea and his aesthetic. And um, one of the, the sort of the ways I'm approaching it is that I want to kind of make it look like it was made from like a whiskey barrel, um, but I don't want to actually use actual barrel staves i'm going to use white oak because i have some and chestnut but it's got you know arch tops have that sort of curve to them you know and that was can i ask why that you don't want to use actual staves well um (laughs) i want to yeah i want to create the curves you know i mean i could i could in theory like glue a bunch of them together and then and then do all the math figured out but it's simpler to get the curves that i need in the instrument from a squared off block you know what i mean but it'll end up looking having that curvature sort of shape to it like the barrel so too much work um yeah to me it doesn't make sense to do that um when i have a like a, a whole stack of the same type of white oak that they use to make barrel staves that's in the thickness that i need and stuff it just doesn't make sense to get it you know um, because by the time i'm done processing it it won't matter right which is kind of what we were talking about with that like you know if mm-hmm. you know it's like i'm gonna make it look like a barrel the wood's gonna be older than most barrels anyways because that stuff i have is 100 something years old but um yeah but i was thinking about that at first i was like oh maybe it would be cool to do the barrel stays because they already kind of have that arch and i would just have to flatten out parts of it and make it and i was like you know what i was like i have i already have this stuff like why do i want to make that much it would be so much extra work bend it. yeah yeah well it's 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 shape carved it. cnc cnc He's gonna carve, carve it. it yeah Okay. So. Okay. Because you're you're going to be wasting a lot of material. Yeah. Exactly. It's just not going to. It just doesn't make sense. Um. So yeah. So I've been. I got a whole bunch of designs going on right now. I have this interesting seven string that uh I'm designing with a guy that's basically like the last seven string that I just put the video out for that I finished on the Maker Made. But this one will be made on my regular Avid CNC. And the guy has like a different neck shape that he wants instead of it being like a half circle. It's going to be more like a half a hexagon. Uh, mm. supposed, mm-hmm. Supposedly more ergonomic and stuff, so we're trying that out. Uh, I've been talking to Jaju about designing another pipa. This one will be more like a traditional pipa and less like a guitar, which is what I wanted to do in the first place, so I'm excited about that. Uh, this this bass... Um, oh, I, I just got off the phone with a guy today. I got to drop some plans for some furniture that's going to be like um, car-themed. Um, so, because he had seen some of my car part stuff that I'd done in the past. But what we're talking about doing is probably making it out of plywood and then skinning it with sheet metal, um, like car car sheet metal, you know, um, kind of like that. Remember Berkey did that with a one that looked like a plane. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't build planes. <laughs> Who cares? But yeah. <laughs> but like well, that. Jacko did something like similar recently, right? Uh, yeah, he did something similar too. Because there was like um, it was in for a while. Restoration Hardware had these like plane wing tables they were selling like eight ten years ago, and it was like this big this big thing. Um, but some, yeah, well, it's Art Deco, right? It's the 30s. That's yeah, what I've been talking about. Yeah, but I'm doing something different. I'm doing car part. Oh, totally. So it's going to be different, totally. different colors, and you know, kind of like a calico more is what we're looking at. So he seems, you know, it seems like a, a interesting job. I haven't done much furniture lately, so I'm looking forward to actually doing a piece of furniture. Um. Oh yes, but the thing that I'm the most <laughs> 
into instead of doing all I have like I need to sit down for like three days and just design because I have all these jobs I have to actually do physical designing for on paper and on computer and costing us stuff for all these clients that are waiting on me not that I've made them wait a long time yet but they will be waiting a long time if I don't stop messing around with tanks that have cardboard for guinea pigs <laughs> How dare you? That's that's a valuable use of your time. That's what I've been doing. My, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be the million dollar idea. And yeah. guitars are going to go yeah. out the door, and you're going to be able to retire on cardboard, cardboard guinea, guinea pig tanks. My, if you could get one percent of one percent of the guinea pig cardboard <laughs> tank market, you'd be set for the next two days. Oh, you've read my business plan. <laughs> Yes, I have. Because you're a leader. I've been sending it out to investors, you know. <laughs> no, but but seriously, like I remember when I started my Etsy store and stuff like ten years ago or whatever. Now I remember like talking to my mom and I showing her the stuff I was doing, and she kept saying like, "Well, you should be making stuff for pet people, like cats and dogs, because people spend a bazillion dollars on their cats and dogs, which is true, right?" Your mom's. Like, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I've always said that. Yeah, you know, you have. Yeah, I mean, that's. People. I've always said your mom's right. Yeah, she is. But, you know, people spend money on cats and dogs, and I just never really wanted to do that. And, and I looked at it, like, the cat and dog market is pretty saturated. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do something, it's be original and unique and blah, blah, blah. But, and then, like, because we have these guinea pigs, just like it was, like, two months ago, I, I was watching the guinea pigs uh, hiding under cardboard boxes and running around because they like to hide and they like to play. Um, and it just reminded me of a tank. And so I made this, like, cardboard tanks. I had shot somebody. And it's just, I've been having so much fun with it and so many people seem to like it. And I was like, you know what? This might be my market to the pet people thing. Cause it's something I can make very inexpensively uh, and sell inexpensively more importantly. And it's also something that's going to get chewed up by Guinea pigs. And if they like it, they'll buy another one. So it's, you know what I mean? Oh dude, what if you add the custom element to it? And when people order it, oh, you I can could, put the Guinea pigs names on it. I could laser etch their name on it for an extra dollar. Yeah. yeah. If I know Genius. Guinea pig people, and I do. <laughs> they spend a ton of money on their guinea pigs. You yeah. are... Please remember us when you make it big. Don't be like, oh, I'm Tim Sway. I'm the guinea pig king. I don't remember <laughs> Bill and what's-his-face, you know? Uh, yeah, it's just about a, a market. So what you know, what I was thinking of doing is um, I'm just, I'm just going to turn my Etsy page. Because I have my, my Etsy store has been asleep for a year. I, I turned it off. Um, about three weeks before Christmas last year when it was too late for me to ship and I haven't opened it since. So I'm just going to rebrand that page as just all cardboard cutout. So the big thing with the guinea pig, the big revelation I had is like I made all these shapes and I was just hot gluing them together. Um, but what I, I was like, well, why don't I make tabs, right? And so they, they can be shipped flat and then just put these tabs together. So I made little basically like dovetail type tabs. Uh, I did a couple tries to get the right fit. Um, for a pretty standard grade cardboard, and I looked up to, I can buy sheets of clean cardboard, so I'm not using stuff that says, like, you know, brand names all written over it and stuff. Um, yeah, and, and uh, it's just a matter of getting the laser cutting time down because uh, the graphics are time consuming. Like, it cuts it in seconds, you know what I mean? But so I, I want to have it look cool and have some graphics, but not over the top. And, uh, and just to really, and then I just, uh, so my two tabs. Uh, prototypes I did today I brought home I didn't film it because now we're in prototype stage so it's a secret <laughs> normally I do these all on Instagram stories um, yeah. but so I, I had the two the two pigs trying out the prototypes I used to, my guinea pigs as guinea pigs today and had them <laughs> prototype <laughs> hold on a second hold on do we have a drum do it yeah but yeah <laughs> 
But so I had them running around in the, in the new one. So I was like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, the pickup truck works good. You know, the tank, I need to make it a little bit longer or a little bit wider. You know, just kind of seeing how often it would Can tip over. Can you imagine a little Volkswagen Beetle? Yeah, the, the other one I'm thinking about is, um, that's a really good idea, Bill. Uh, I should write that down, actually. <laughs> this two, two ideas from you. We have custom names and VW Bug. Look at him pretend to write. That's no, a really, really good job. I really wrote it. I really wrote it. Um, oh, very strange handwriting. Um, Bill hasn't seen a pencil and a paper yeah. in I don't know how long. I still uh, use I, mine every time. I write in cursive. Guinea, guinea pigs in the air with my magic eye yeah. pen pad thing. Yes. Yeah, my, I don't use that. My sarcastic writing you off writing. Um, yes. Guinea, guinea pigs. I don't have an iPad. They tend to follow each other, like <clears throat> just like they always do. And so, what, like you'll see in my stories, so one's a leader, one's a follower, and they take turns. But usually, it's one and the other. But so, um, I'm gonna make my other idea was to make trains. So I have like an engine and like a caboose and like oh, a yeah, car. Oh yeah, yeah. So when they're so you have multiple guinea pigs, they'll be following each other, and if you get lucky, they'll follow in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> and then the plane you know, I, you're, is the plane's still a like, work in progress. But. You're looking like a little bit left out over here. What if you tell us that you're working on making laser cut cardboard whiskey boxes? Great, great segue. So similar to Tim, I had my Etsy store on vacay mode because I was sort of done with it. Yeah. Um, but I turned it back on, I want to say, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And I got my first order three days ago for mm. a uh, for a rolling tray. <laughs> um, actually, for a client in New Jersey. So um, all to say, you got to keep innovating with your products, especially on Etsy, because as far as I'm concerned, I checked uh, the whiskey box market is saturated. Yeah. When I first started doing it, there was a couple here and there, whatever. Now. Oh my god, like I can't compete with whiskey boxes anymore. I'd be very surprised if I ever get another order for one. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just like there's it's flooded with that. And I think people are doing custom also. I'm not sure though, but like wow, I'd be very surprised. But the rolling trays seem to be something. I've gotten a lot of favorites and I got one order and that's with you know, basically when you come off of vacation mode, you are starting all over again, right? Like they don't know you anymore. You yeah. haven't built up anything anymore. Uh, you just happen to have, it's like you started on day one, but with, I have 40 listings, right? So it's like starting on day one with 40 listings and it takes a long time for that machine to start working and for views to come in and for favorites to come in and for you to rise in the ranks of the searches. So I'm actually surprised I got an order so quickly, but, uh, I'm grateful for it. And, um, and I guess that's a good segue into what we're talking about, but I forgot to mention a couple of things. One. Did I talk last week that I that I built a, uh, a skating rink? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so since then I've done two more. So being the handy friend of my group, you know, everybody bought the kits, and uh, and and it turns out I was the one who built them all. So I built like three rinks in the last two weeks, <laughs> and consulted on a fourth. So I'm looking forward to uh, to it being very cold and consistently cold this weekend, uh, this winter so that we can have home games and away games. I've got like all kinds of floodlights. I'm super excited about this, like really, really exciting. I'm gonna build bleachers. I've got a propane heater for outside. Sorry, Tim. And so would, uh, you, would you say that your like the skill sets that you've learned from being a maker have garnered you some leadership qualities for your neighborhood? Leadership? I don't know if it's granted me leadership, but it's certainly given me authority in that space. 
Um, excellent question, Bill. Bill, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, <laughs> and so, and the other thing I finished was the tabletop for the uh, for the desk extension that I that I did so that I could have my the L shape. Uh, yeah, the L shape. I guess I talked about that last week. All right. Anyways, that's where I'm at. Uh, so I landed up. I, I did. Uh, I did make that uh, that rolling tray. Actually, very quickly. I had some old uh, maple that came out of a coffee table leg. Sliced up that leg because it was just a block. It was just a rectangle. Sliced it up, jointed it, planed it, uh, and then glued it up so that it was a nice little panel. It's eight and a, it's eight inches by six and a half inches is what it is on the CNC. And here's a hot tip for the CNC. Tim, you should write this down. Um, I always had it zero out at the bottom left of the job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a mistake. I now zero the job at the exact center of the workpiece. Yeah. So that if something happens, I can just mark an X right from corner to corner and refine that center again. It would be impossible to find that left corner again some way, somehow, unless I sort of set up stops on the machine, which I I haven't. So hot tips CNC guys. Starting your center at the uh, starting your zero at the center is an easier way to locate. Yeah, that's where I usually start nowadays. Um, I I have my CNC, you know, because it's a little little different than yours, and it sort of saves stuff a little. You have a better. probe. Um, yeah. Well, I have a probe now for the height, but I start yeah. I start mine. So every time I turn my machine, I I have to uh, reference home, and what it does is the machine automatically goes all the way to the bottom left corner, uh, to yeah. just to check and make sure it's all lined up, and then I hit the home button after it does that, and it goes to the exact center of my wasteboard, and I start right everything I make. I start there. Um, so ah, I'm never okay. moving my Z around unless, for some reason, I have to start it somewhere else, you know, which sometimes happens. There are sometimes, right. like, if I have some weird little fixture I want to do, I'll move that somewhere else. Or if um, There are a few rare occasions where starting in a corner is necessary, but for the most part, yeah, starting in the center is way easier. So this is so this machine is is dumb in that regard, right? It doesn't right. It doesn't, it doesn't do know that. how to calibrate its own distances. Yeah. It would try to go off the board. It would try to go anywhere. There's no stops. If, like, the, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no limit switches. Yeah. Is essentially what the mechanism is, right? Yours has limit switches. It gets to the limit. Yeah. The switch triggers, and, says, and it knows okay, it got to the end. This is the end. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. It's like a normally open or normally closed, whatever that limit switch looks yep. like. So this doesn't have that. So and and also for the Z, it doesn't have that. For the up down, it doesn't have a limit switch. So if you accidentally go too high, it continues to spool and, then and it loses track of where it was. Yeah, that's the biggest fault with that machine. And I had a, a, a friend of mine down here who makes um, ukuleles bought that machine on, on my recommendation because I told him you know, I had it and I gave it to you and stuff. And, and he brought it to my shop uh, for like a like a one-on-one lesson with it, you know. Yeah. And that, that was like – so we go kind of show him, okay, here he is. It's all set to go. And we hit start. And it and it spun up and I heard the the screw turn a couple extra, you know, and yeah. I just instantly hit stop. And he's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "See, this is where you're gonna thank me because the way I learned this was the hard way, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like when you if you hear that, that means now all your calculations are screwed up, you know. And so yeah, so right. your machine, it's it's more likely to have those types of problems. So yeah, having some place that you can guarantee you're starting every time is is uh, very beneficial. Right, so that's that's something I recently learned, and I've and I've had this uh, this rolling tray as one of the things that I've sold forever, and I still had my tap files, I had my cut uh, 2D files already, mm-hmm. but that was those uh, this cut pattern or whatever was already set to go bottom left, and I said, you know right. what, I don't want to do that, so I redesigned the item from scratch again, and I redid it, 
and doing center. So that's a much better – it was a much better plan. It worked out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is like slow down, right? Like measure your exact depth of your piece and set it properly and clamp it down properly and just simmer down. You know, like most of my mistakes happen because – I said, you know what, I programmed it with a half-inch bit, and I used a 5 8 inch bit. And yep. then I'm like, oh, how come this screwed up? Um, I for, when I and, and for Cut2D, I don't think I've done it yet, but I programmed in a new bit size, which was half-inch. And when you do that, and I copied the quarter-inch settings, but for some reason, the feeds and speeds were all wrong. They were way too fast. And normally, I would just sort of rip through that, right? Like, yeah, I can go, go 100 inches per second or whatever. No, 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 no. So I looked at it again. I was like, you know what? This has got to be 30, and this has got to be 10. It's not 130. Like, it would – I would rip the whole machine apart if I did it at that mm-hmm. speed. So the old me would just sort of – yeah, whatever. I copied it. It's fine. You really got to slow down and just double-check all your settings. It's super critical. Um, and this might be gobbledygook to everybody, but well, I, I thought it was an interesting you, lesson. You know what I've, I've said many times about CNC is that learning the CNC has made me a better woodworker off the CNC yeah. because of those lessons and patience and, and double checking and this and that. And in CNC, when you make the mistake, it happens in real time and, uh, and you, and you see it and it's usually somewhat scary and catastrophic and dramatic, yeah. you know, it's and, only ever catastrophic. Right. And then you're like, you know, you're like running for an off button. There's this whizzing, you know, router going by. It's, it's frightening. And so it really makes you like not want to make mistakes. Whereas like if you're making a mistake on a, you know, with a hand plane or something, and you go too far because you didn't stop and check every time you should have. It's not as dramatic when it happens. Next thing you know, like, you know, I've taken a 30 seconds off too much, you know. So you, it yeah. really makes you, like, focus in. It, it's um, it's a good learning experience. And, like, I guess it makes me a better woodworker. I made all the same mistakes. I mean, you could you. cut off your finger with a table saw. I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty, pretty catastrophic. Pretty catastrophic, yeah. Or the tip. Just the, just the tip, Tim. Yeah. Just the, um, yeah. Segway. So, a segue. <laughs> The segue was... What were Bill's we talking board. about again? So, yeah, I, I, I believe it's beginning to look a lot like dot, 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 yes, right? right. So, the Etsy stores, right. So, that's what we were talking about. So, guys, uh, reminder, Christmas is coming up in, like, six weeks. So, if you were planning on doing anything for Christmas, maker selling related, meaning making Christmas-themed cutting boards or really just selling anything for the Christmas season, like, the time is now to get started um, either making inventory uh, setting up your Etsy store although I would argue that it's too late for that frankly because it takes so long to ramp up unless you were going to throw a ton of money at promo although I cannot recommend doing that I spent a ton of money on promo at the beginning of my Etsy store and really I was just putting money in the pocket of Etsy yeah it got me orders but it was basically tit for tat so organic is the only way to make money on Etsy meaning don't promote, don't promote anything. Just wait for your rent, your content to build itself. Just flood your store with a ton of listings. If you made the same item five times, guess what? Take five separate pictures of those five separate items. Those are now five listings. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. You made that item five times. That's a separate listing. Do it. You're not doing anything, whatever, against the rules or anything like that. That's the right thing to do. Build up your listings. I have 20 different... Uh, step stools on my store for example they're all different colors they all have different kids names they all have different designs at the end of the day they're the same step stool with the same description with the same dollar amount but the pictures are different because I did it different and guess what people do not have an imagination if you write can do anything you like people have no idea what that means no imagination 
if you show them a picture of one in red, green, and blue, perfect. People cannot understand, and I'm generalizing, of course, when I'm talking about this. When I say people, I mean consumers as a trend. Pilots. Any more than three choices. Yeah, pilots. <laughs> Idiots. Any more than three choices, people are paralyzed with that. It's called uh, analysis by uh, paralysis by analysis. analysis. Yeah. People just like, well, hold on a second. There's ten finished choices and six heights and I and four finished. I can't. I can't. Okay, you know what? It comes in red, blue, green. Cool. I'll take the red. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, people are very decisive if you give them three simple choices to make. That's it. Yeah, they've done, so they've done that's studies what I've on tried that. To do. It's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I'm not pulling this out of nowhere. Yeah. This is, uh, this well, is this, 20 this years is of like the, experience. The, so we, we talked about having, like, a business plan. Uh, not a real business plan. Oh, but business plan. Uh, I don't like that. Bill, who are we talking to? Is this a business plan? No, no, I know. But so, yeah. so we're talking about the mechanics of what the business plan might be. So thank you, Phil. That was awesome. Tim, what do you have in the way of uh, what, are, what are some of the practices – uh, some of the ideas, not not specifically something you're going to make, but how would you go about making a certain thing? Would you make a lot of them? Would you make a few of them? I mean, I mean, you know, one item that you're going to sell a one-off, or, or even if it's not for sale, what if you're making uh, relatives' presents? Um, and not charging them? <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of business is that? Um, Sounds more like a charity. This year, I'm doing things differently because in the past, I have relied more on uh, retail sales, you know, um, selling via, you know, my Etsy store and stuff, which I said, you know, has been shut down for a year now. Um, I have this, this, this guinea pig idea, you know, uh, which is not really going to make it in time for Christmas. I don't think I'll, I'll be operational enough. But what you know, what what I can do is like a soft thing because what I'll do is, I should have them up and going in a few weeks, and then uh, I'll just you know I'll put it out in the um, like the the Facebook groups and stuff, you know, guinea pig owners and stuff. I don't think Etsy's like like Phil was saying, it's too late for Etsy to to get any kind of traction there without spending every dollar I'm going to make on my dollar item. You know what I mean? But um, uh, you know through the you know we'll try it out through the, some of these uh these sort of you know groups and whatnot. Um. Yeah, so that's it's new for me this year. I wanted to try something different. I wanted to, before I would try to kind of like what Phil was saying before. You know, before I would have a bunch of products. Um, this time I'm not going to have that though. I'm not like I would have like like ten signs that are all a little different or whatever. Or ten, you know, this. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just get like hyper focused in. It's going to be like this one idea, and there's going to be three of them. And I love the personalization idea, um, you know, so I could list them separately for personalization. So there's a way I can have the listings like twice for each item, like have them listed without personalization and with, you know. Are you kidding? You could have them 15 times each. Every time you do a different personalization, you make it a new listing. Right. I could do that yeah. as they as they go. Um, yeah, that's I, what I did. I don't know if that's going to be necessary for this, though, because I'm not looking to make this my full-time job either. It's just sort of like fun. But you You won't get any attention until you get to 50 listings. You think so? You know that. Yeah, that's just well, you know, it's based on I don't know. I, I haven't followed Etsy in a while. I remember back when I started Etsy ten years ago, there would be people that oh. would go out and they'd have like one thing and they'd blow the place up. They'd have like one. It's awesome impossible thing. now. now. It's, it's so yeah, so flooded. which is why I stopped doing Etsy and why I stopped. I just it wasn't worth the energy I was putting. Well, into if it, it's you know? if it's as easy as just keep making a listing every time you sell something, you know, Jimmy's box, Johnny's box, right. Tony's box, and it costs Karen's box, right? It's not a big deal. Um, you just right. all you do honestly is you go duplicate, duplicate and you just change the pictures out. Yeah, but yeah. I yeah I mean it's um, I can tell you also low value items on Etsy, tough gig man tough gig because they charge you like fees and they're not percentages. 
Yeah. Right? It's like 20 cents to list yeah. and like, you know, sales tax and like their cut of it. So when it's like a $6 item, you're left with like three $3.40. Yeah. Yeah. Well, plan that into it because it, you could take oh, yeah. a $6 item and charge 9 bucks for it. If you do one little thing extra that didn't really cost you a lot of time, like the customization, right? Like yeah. somebody's name on it. So you take a $6 yeah. plain Jane, put somebody's name on it. Now you can justify charging 9 You're still in that, that I think under 25 bucks gift price range is perfect for anybody. Just me as a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's... Like, I agree with you. But I'm saying as a Etsy maker, you got to like... It needs to be worth your time because these things do take time and you need to get noticed and you need to be able to afford Etsy as a platform. Yeah, I, but Personally, I like my, uh, my whatever, the rolling trays are $40 Canadian. Perfect. I have to up it another $10 for it to yeah. really be worth it because by the time it's done, after like, so I charge $15 shipping into the States. So really it's, and I'm talking Canadian dollars again. So at $55 gross, it's $40 for me. $15 in shipping and I just got the net cut and they left me with $38. So now after the $15 it actually costs to, to send this out, I'm left with 23 bucks for the two to three hours I spent on this project. I'm like 23 bucks, let me see here. That means I made less than $8 an hour on this. Right, but the idea is that the, it, the next one you make will not take two to three hours, it'll take 20 minutes. No, it takes the same amount of time. It's a CNC. It cuts it. I, you know, I flush trim it. I sand it. I stain it. I go back in. I change it. I, you know, I do it again. I mean, let's, it's not three hours, but let's say it's two hours of having to monitor this well, that's thing. Your next, do it those are it. your next steps with your CNC is learning how to make the CNC do more of it so you have less to do. Or you have to, or you have to. There isn't any more for it to do, like really. Like, then you, it does then the you have to thing. get into, then you have to get into upgrading your equipment, right? Yeah, for a twenty-three dollar item, it's tough to buy twenty bucks a <laughs> pop. No, no, but what I'm saying is, if, if you're trying to make, you, you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? And no, I'm okay with it being thirty-three dollars. Like that's why. So I'm finding a price point that makes sense for me okay. and makes sense for the for the market. Right. You know, like if I'm netting thirty-three bucks or whatever, and and it really like at the end of the day, it was standing there for thirty-five minutes while it was CNCing. I flush trimmed it. Let's say it takes another. 10 minutes on the router table, and then it takes me another 15 minutes of uh, sending it nice and smooth to the touch, and then uh, putting on uh, clear coat, you know, two or three different coats. At the end of the day, it took me an hour and a half, 33 bucks, pays for my lunch for the week, and it was kind of fun to be in the garage anyway. You know what, I so would... The right price point seems to be uh, uh, one of the mechanics of this whole getting ready to do thing. Uh, yeah. listing, listing many, many, many things. Tim, you said something interesting. I think this is a, a good point to bring up. Um, you talked about the, the base you're going to make that's going to look like a whiskey barrel base, but you're not going to make it out of whiskey barrel staves because of the time and the energy it's going to take to actually create that. So there seems to be like a, a, a skill set in just figuring out, look, if I'm going to make this thing, if I'm not going to charge the guy five thousand dollars for it, and I need to keep, I need to keep competitive enough to still, it's a, it's a custom price. It's not just a yeah. off the shelf price, but you still can't out price your 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 your, your patrons, right? Mm -hmm. So having that skill set or that knowledge, like, look, I can't, I can make it look like what he wants, and I can use the material that still is true to who you are and all of that, but you're not actually using that whiskey barrel, so you're saving. Lots of time. I mean, I, I'm in my mind. I'm just thinking what it would take to get that whiskey barrel to make it 
to look like an actual. That's weird. To make the whiskey barrel look like a whiskey barrel would be more work would, than to get wood to make. Would be more work, right? Right. right. Then, mm. So it comes that's with experience a skill set in and of itself. Yeah, you know, and I was always know what a purist. you're know what you're doing and what you're making and, and what the materials you're going to use. Uh, Phil, you just said the same thing, right? It's like okay, I've got this table leg I can use real quick to to make this this. Uh, um, uh, your rolling tray, but at what if you've got a thousand orders? At what point do you say, okay, maybe I need to start buying blanks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did do. I have done these in batches. Like I had a big order of like thirty of them at one point, and what I just did was I did like a massive glue up, and then I chopped them up into blanks. And you're right, I really had to production it out, and so that the you know the CNC is making one. I'm sending the last one, preparing the next blank, and then sort of cycling through that process. And you, you d it does become a, like another employee in the shop, essentially. And that's how you get it to work for you. And it really makes, to charge, you know, 20 or $30 for things makes a lot more sense when you're selling 30 or 40 of them. When you're doing right. one at a time, you look at the time you spent and you're like, okay, I guess that was fun to be in the shop for a bit. But yeah, that was batching a, them out is nice. That was why I stopped with Etsy because you know that's the sweet spot on Etsy is like thirty to fifty bucks, right? That's you can sell yeah. stuff, but that means like unless you make a whole bunch of them once and hope you sell them, that was the you know, the one thing I tried. And then I just like sometimes I would, sometimes I don't do craft fairs, so it's not like I have some place to take yeah. this inventory. Then you like it's like oh it's just I have the CNC file saved. I have the it's like all I have to do is put the bid in, put the wood in, hit print, spray some lacquer. Right. But it's like oh I got to stop everything I'm doing now. To go find a piece of wood that's the right size and put it in and just set it all up and run it. It's like it became like it's not like this is a magic robot that you just tell to do it. It's not a magic no. box I, that does it. And it felt like a chore at that point. Yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. I, I've got I got a good story about a bad example of this. A quick one. Um, Ooh, a bad like example that. of not having that skill set to to know what you're doing, what you're trying to sell, and as a consumer, what you think you're going to buy. Um, my boss decided she wanted to get a bunch of parts made for the big hangar doors, okay? Because we can't really, some of them are so old, you can't get the parts anymore, so we're gonna have to have some made anyway, or we're gonna have to upgrade the doors, whatever you're gonna have to do. So she gets a salesman to come out, and she's telling him, oh yeah, I wanna buy enough, to have enough parts on hand to do all of the hangers on the airport. Well, he's thinking, cha-ching, mm. and I'm thinking, you have no idea what you're saying. And then the salesman's like, oh yeah, yeah, without telling her, well, so she's, she's not understanding that what she thinks she's going to get is going to cost a lot of money. And he doesn't bother to tell her that. So they spent the entire day going around the airport, measuring, doing this. And I know they're both wasting their time. Mm -hmm. They're not going to listen to me. She's never going to spend the both, money. And, yeah. yeah, she's never going to spend that kind of money. And, and he, he doesn't realize what... That she's what that, he knows what it's going to cost, yeah. but he's thinking, oh, it's a city job. or It's a city airport. They're going to pay. No. So the, the, to have enough on hand to repair these doors every for for the rest of the universe you know the whole time they're going to be there this job came back at like $275,000 and it's she because well no she's like oh and she didn't understand and I kept trying to tell her you're wasting this guy's time and he's wasting yours because he needs to understand you're thinking I can buy maybe just a few parts <clears throat> To make it to make it worthwhile, but he's saying no because to make these parts, the tooling alone that my company is going to have to spend on that, mm -hmm. in his mind, it's like okay, I got to add all this stuff up. So even though it may not be you know almost three hundred thousand dollars worth of material, it's all that time. It's the tooling that yeah. goes into it. The How fast can you make it? It might. The first one costs two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. The second <laughs> one costs five thousand dollars. You know, like that's the yeah. People don't understand right. that. Yeah. 
Right, right. But that's just an example of communication. So my so my point was to bring all this down. We've got the price point. We've got understanding your materials and what's what's going to be most efficient mm -hmm. to to make these things. And the last one is communication. You need to know. Yes. You need to ask the right questions from people buying stuff from you, so they understand what you have to offer. And then you need to also tell them what you will and won't do. And that's super important because when you when you spend half a day of somebody coming in trying to get that, we've talked about this many times, that $200 table that they saw on Pinterest that's $900, but they want it for two because I don't know why they think that you're going to custom make it for them for two, right? So there's that communication. Fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but a lot of guys will sit there and they'll go through and it's like right up front, get a real quick idea. What you want? You want a dining table? Great. It's going to go in your house. How many people is it going to sit? It's going to sit six? Okay, we're probably looking at, and you start off a little bit high. And if it sparks their interest, mm. then you go from there and you, you cut it down. But if, if you're if you're saying, I don't care what it is, it's going to be a minimum of 800 bucks. And they're like, whoa, that's not okay. How about we talk about a little coffee table? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like... Here's what I do. It's an interesting point because I thought you were going somewhere else with this. But let's talk money, which I'd love to talk about. <laughs> my, my question is, is, okay, what do you want? Great opening question. Second question, what's your budget? I don't throw out a number because I don't want to negotiate with myself. I want well, absolutely. to know, what do you think? How much, what's mm. in the bank for this? They tell me, oh, it's a, um, I was thinking like $200. I was like, I was thinking, don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out, right? Because someone who came to me and starts talking to me about that and says $200, like, it's $200 for crap two by eights to make this. Is this really, and that doesn't even factor in my time. And also, I don't do this. Right, like I will, if it's good money, I will think about doing it. I just turned down a job. Somebody wanted me to make like a super high-end waterfall vanity. And I was like, mm, no, I don't have the time for this. But if that's something that you want to do and something you want to take on, ask the question, what's your budget? Because it's so innocent a question. And you don't, and you're not committing to a price, right? The, the last thing you want to do is put out a price that's too low. Because in your mind, you're thinking... Well, if, if, if you have the knowledge, it's not going to be too low. That's what, So you're right. I think asking what the budget is is good, but there's also that balance. If you've got somebody that's just has no clue, they, their budget is not... But, it's not their budget. It's what they think they're going to buy with that budget. Right, but it's an innocent question when you ask it as a budget. When you throw out a number, I find a lot of people, and myself included, I've definitely done this. Man, I don't want to lose this job. I better... You know what? I know it's going to cost eight, but yeah, I could probably do it for seven. You know what I mean? And so you come back. But see, with that's seven. a skill set, though, right there. It's that skill set, right? Mm. I just, I so somebody, it somebody is. from one of the groups was going to make something. He sold this, or he, he had this job, and he said, "What do you think is a fair price?" And he was asking me, and I said, "Well, you know, what did you tell them?" So he told me the details. He's all, "Well, now they want this, and now they want that." And I says, and "He's all, I'm not, I'm not doing it. It's going to have to." Be. I said, "Then what you t are they friends?" Well, not really. I said, "Okay, then you can take that whole I have to give them a discount thing out of the out of the equation. Yeah. Mm. This is what you get for what we agreed upon. If you want this extra thing, it's going to be this much more, and you don't have to apologize for that. You don't have to feel bad about it." Right. And I said, "And then add a little bit more in there because they're going to they're they're going to him haw, right? This is it changes things up. So you so not only do you, do you want to add uh, what you think it's going to cost in materials and time, but add a little bit more in there for design and for your your stress? Because they negotiate stuff, right? you down anyway. 
Well, they can, right? But anyway, he ended up doing that, and with the money he made, the extra money that he made on it, he was able to buy another tool that he was wanting, so everything worked out perfectly. He saved again, the family balance. balance. You've got to know when to tell them, okay, I know you have $20. I, you can tell they got $20, you know, because they're going like this. I'm looking for a dining table. Well, that's a $1,000 thing, so what can we get you with your 20 bucks? Or you ask them what their budget is. There's, It's, it's all a skill set. It's all a yeah. balancing act. That's... I mean, if that works well for you, that's great, and it probably does work really well. My my approach has always been to sort of push it back to them. Like, you just throw me a number. What do you think you're wanting to spend on this? And I've been surprised sometimes when they come back with a number that was higher than I was thinking in my head, and I'm like, oh, it's so funny you said that. I was thinking the same number. Yeah, yeah. Some Sometimes uh, sometimes a client will surprise you. Like, you know, like it it is a skill that you develop as you as you go through the business and like I was just talking with my wife about this one client I've been working with, and I, I tell her like after the second email, I'm like, I can't tell if this guy's a time waster or not because sometimes they're just time wasters, you know. And you get to the yeah and, tire kickers, yeah, and you throw some numbers out, you kind of let them know like, well, we're in this price range, and like, and they keep talking, they have like, ideas and excited, and you know, and um, yeah, and then you know, so I was kind of like just laughing with my wife, like sometimes they still elude me, like usually you can tell, but this one I was like, I can't tell if he's a time waster or not, you know. Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's true with anything, though, right? You're not yeah. gonna, you're not going to get them all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I guess we're almost at the end of this, but Christmas is coming up, so think about it if you haven't already, because now is the time. Like, people aren't going on vacation; they likely are going to be spending more on gifts, um, and that's if not, you know, if they're not in a hard way, which a lot of people are right now. But if they're not in a hard way, if they have made a transition from working from home or whatever the case may be is, a lot of people who aren't going away for Christmas, who aren't spending that money to go see family, likely will be spending money on gifts to send to their family as a proxy for themselves. I suggest giving it a good think and maybe thinking about some of the things that we said here today. And if those friends and loved ones happen to have guinea pigs, I think <laughs> I think guineapigtanks.com is the URL I'm leaning towards right now to point to the Etsy page. Dude, you have to book that before this episode comes out. Someone's going to take that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to hop. I, I would also up, like right? to add if people out there if they if they really found what we said helpful <laughs> and you want to get well I'm just saying if you found what we said helpful and you want to get an honest to goodness different reaction, make 3 of something, the same thing, send it send Phil and I and Tim one. Thank you. And that, that'll be the thank you for the podcast. And then I promise you, we're all going to react differently. I, I will be like, this is amazing craftsmanship. I love it. Tim's going to be, why didn't you make this out of something a little more sustainable? And Phil's going to be like, come here, we need to talk because I can make some money off of this. I'm just saying. I was thinking rather than uh, making us something, um, why don't you go to patreon.com slash you got a bill. Come on. We've been talking about this in the pre-show. Um, that's if you like the advice and you made a couple of bucks off this information, patreon.com slash reclaimed audio. Um, let's move on here. Do we have any? I feel like we haven't checked this in forever. Uh, I checked, iTunes review, Ruth. I checked, la, I checked last week and we did not have any. I did not have it open this week yet, though. I apologize. It, we have a review. We have a review. Oh, let's we do. Look, look, you want to get it? A looky-loo. Let's we got a review. Looks. Uh, let me see here. I'm busy. Uh, some internationales. Let's uh, see what's. Up. Oh, <laughs> I'm busy purchasing. Japan. I'm purchasing guinea pigs. Uh, guinea pig tanks.com right now. So you guys go ahead and handle this. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll Bill, read the read the, uh, read the American one. All right. So uh, this is 
Bill said my phone would break if I did, and it's by JDJ Snibbidabubidu. Anyway, five-star review, and it says, Great conversations between friends on woodworking and making. Likely you will end the podcast looking forward to your next project or have ideas of what to look for when salvaging some reclaimed material. Hopefully, Bill's back will stop hurting from carrying the podcast so much. <laughs> Either this is you... Or it's not me, but I can't argue with with words that are right. I mean, how do you argue with right words? And I'm left-handed. The validity of them. But I'm left-handed. Yeah. Oh, are you? You are yeah, he is left-handed. Yeah. That's true. It's the one. Uh, it's the one thing I like about sinis- him. Sinister. You know, that's the origin of that word. It means left-handed. Um, yep. Here's one from Japan. And the author is Dragon Mobile Gaming, for some reason. Title is Awesome Podcast from Awesome People. This is first podcast I listened to. Has been about two and a half weeks now. I'm here from Tim Sway's channel, and I love this podcast. Very informative. Phil is amazing. Wow. That last part I totally didn't add. You added that. I don't, I don't believe you. I just sarcastically said I didn't. I don't add. believe you. I think you added it. I didn't. I did. I did add that. Of course, he didn't write that. But that's very nice. A Japanese <laughs> listener from Tim's channel. I recognize the Kanichiwa. name, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Nice. Nice yeah. to see you here. Yeah. Yeah. Domo arigato. Um, let's see here. Yeah. All right. Guineapigtanks.com is mine, so we're all set for that. I can't believe you actually bought that. Um, weekly tip segment. If you have a guinea pig, they love cedar <laughs> shavings. Rather than, are we going to be like, instead of talking about guitars all the time, you're going to be talking about like guinea pig tips and tricks and stuff? Yeah, it's going to be the parenting slash guinea pig podcast is what we are now, right? Oh man, are we going to hit it big. <laughs> uh, who's, got a, who's got a hot tip this week? I have one. Um, where did my list go? I had a couple written down. Um... I wanted to talk about uh, bamboo dowels. Uh, so I use those a lot in my shop for stirring things, and they are also pointy. Otherwise known as otherwise known as chopsticks, or no, not chopsticks. The um, the bamboo skewers. skewers is what they're called. I call them dowels because I oh okay. I I jumped ahead. They're, they're bamboo skewers. You can buy them in a hundred pack at the supermarket for like a couple bucks. Right, right. I, I um, use those all the time in the shop. Yeah. Yeah. So they they have the little pointy end on them. So they actually that comes in handy sometimes. Uh, and then the other end is not pointy, which comes in handy sometimes. And you can use these for like quick little dowels and whatnot. Um, but so my my tips about these is that you know they're about ten or twelve inches long, and uh, I use them a lot for like stirring epoxy. And, uh, and stuff like that. So you stir epoxy, stir epoxy, right? And then you, you use it. And then some, most people would throw the stick away, but I don't. I let the epoxy dry, and I take a razor blade, and I, I put the, the skewer down. Yep, those are them, Bill. Uh, thank you for showing us. <laughs> I put the stick down oh. on the table, and I take a razor blade, and I roll the razor blade over the skewer so the skewer will actually roll like a like a wheel across the table and score it and then you can snap it and it won't fray because if you don't score the outside edge first and you go to cut it or snap it it like gets all like frayed 
and uh, and stringy because bamboo is a grass, right? But if you do, if you score yes. with a razor blade before you stab it, you can just cut off that part and and use it again. You have a clean stick, and so I'll get six, seven uses out of these sticks by doing that. I like huh. it. I like it. How much? Was I have that one. Pack I have 100? one. Little... It's about being green, Phil. It's not about money. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I I have one. I have one that uh, uh, it's a Christmas time tip. When you guys are done. <laughs> Phil, but you know what? I'm not done yet. <laughs> what are you, Ron Popeil? Yeah. And we're not done yet. Yeah. It also is a rotisserie, and it'll cover up your bald spot. Uh, when, when I've stirred said uh, acrylic, and um, I have the little the plastic cups, like a lot of times I'll use like, uh, you know, yogurt cups or the little fruit cups, like little plastic cups cups you know yes um sometimes i actually got a whole bunch of them from total boat they sent me a whole bunch so i have a lot of those that are like have the marking on them and stuff and so you know you you stir it up and <laughs> thank you bill bill's doing magic tricks with his uh dowels um when you you stir they're it up skewers they're not dowels dowels yeah skewers um so you, you have the cup like that you mix your your acrylic or your resin or whatever and then if you leave that cup on the counter and you let it sit and dry Nine out of ten times, I can flip the cup upside down, bang the bottom with a hammer a little bit, and yeah, and pop that disc out, and the cup is brand new again. And the same works with most water-based acrylics. If you leave them out long enough, that little residue that's just kind of there, instead of trying to wipe it out, just leave it sitting for like four or five days, and it'll pull out this really cool little rubber puck kind of thing will come out of there, and and your cup's brand new again. So that's my my other tip is like, just like we use these things all the time in the shop, and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but they do add up, and it's just these simple little things that can save money as well as. It's it's been it's been a while, Tim, since you tugged at our earth strings. So good job. Amen. Amen. So so my tip is uh, because I had to string up some lights on the outside, and it just normally I take the connection to the extension cord to the stuff that's exposed in the weather, and I just wrap it with electrical tape. Well, this year I'm like, you know what? That's a lot of tape. I don't want to waste all this tape. <laughs> That's not really what I said, but I was thinking of an easier way to do it. So if you bend where you plug it in, if you bend that in half, now you can take a rubber glove and just stick it uh, right over that and then tape the rubber glove over it. Mm. There you go. Or even a rubber band maybe. Because yeah. you could use so that if again. You've got, you know, you've, you've plugged it in like this. Now you just go like this. Yeah. And now you can just cover the plug with a rubber band uh, rubber glove yeah I like it hmm. I, I do that some with um, paint brushes a lot where uh, like if it's a water based product I take the paintbrush and I just dip it in a bucket of water but if it's an oil based use, use a rubber glove I, I, guess I you, take yeah. the gloves that I'm wearing while I use the oil based product and I put my hand over the, the brush of the glove and pull the glove inside out over the, the brush right wrap a piece of tape around that and then that brush will last for days in there with without yeah. washing I was trying to get where spirits. you were going with trying not to get shocked with your paintbrush <laughs> and waterproofing it in the weather but no that that's exactly right same thing and if you do it really good you can put that glove back on the next time you use the brush but it's tricky or you can save those uh, paintbrushes that have rubber gloves on them at Christmas time and use those to wrap your extension cords with huh how's that for uh, upcycling your upcycle full circle full circle I, they call me Lion King for a reason, you know. Okay. I don't call you that. Oh. Who calls you? You Who's uh? Who's into stuff? Um, I'll go first. I never do that. Um, I just watched this uh, the seven part mini series on Netflix called Queen's Gambit. That's mine. 
I'm not done with it yet, though, so don't ruin it. <laughs> oh, I can't believe she does at the end. Um, yeah, <laughs> real. <laughs> Everybody's talking about this show. Yeah, it's it's really really good. And and maker related, it got me in the mood to make another chessboard. Yeah. So I'm gonna try to do that as soon as I either get some darker wood for a contrast, or figure out a way to make a stain that I could stain wood that wouldn't come out with sanding because you inevitably have to sand it at the end. Uh, but I want to make another chessboard, so I'm gonna do that. Bill. Well, I, uh, basically, instead of being a follower and you know watching the trend that everybody's watching, I'm gonna be a leader. And what I've what I've started watching is um, the Comedy Store documentary on. Uh, oh yeah, Polly Shore. It, it's not. It's it's yeah. It's Polly Shore's mom's store, right? Yeah. She she started the business, but. Almost every gigantic comedian that ever lived has come out of the comedy store. And so yeah. it's a documentary of when it first opened, through the dark years of all the drugs and the chaos, and then over the last 10 years. It's just amazing. And it's an interview with all these different comedians. I don't know how many parts it is, but I'm only on the third episode. And uh, it's just, it's awesome. I love comedy. I love comedy. I think comedians need to be given a, a free check to say whatever they want. And if they're vulgar and rude too much, I just won't listen to them. But man, they're amazing humans and some of the Thank stuff you. they've been through. It's just check it out. The comedy store, the documentary. It's amazing. Thank you. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, he's right. We have, uh, we do deal with a lot. Um, what about you, Tim? <laughs> What? There's that quick wit again. You had to slow that down to about second gear, though, so I can catch up. <laughs> I, okay. I I did seriously have Queen's Gambit down on my list, but I had this other thing on my list um, that I my my wife found this this guy in the area. Has did I talk about the cottage bakery license? Did I mention it last week? I don't think so. I don't think you talked about the guy that your wife found. No. No. So she found this guy. He's a bread baker, and uh, he has a cottage baking like license. So he bakes in his home, but he has a, like a license to do so. Certain, and you can sell certain stuff. So uh, he just makes this delicious bread. He actually like, <clears throat> like, like, mills his own wheat and everything. Like, like. Wow. Yeah, and it's just. Inc- oh, he's one of those. Yeah, he's like he's pretty serious, and he's a super nice guy. He's like kind of hippie-ish, of course, and um, he just he, mm. so you order like on Monday or whatever, and uh, and he just. You know, he says this week I'm making this, this, and this. Everybody place your orders. You order it, and he and you, you know, you pay via Venmo or whatever. And then he comes and he he actually delivers around like the old days, like you know. And um, oh, cool. it's just it's just this reminder that we can use the internet. And I, I say it all the time, like about you know living locally and stuff. Using the internet to find local things that are awesome. And like this is a guy that you know COVID hit and uh, he lost his job, and he he did what we do. He picked himself up by his bootstraps and and said, I make stuff. I'm gonna go make. And um, and I love that. Like I can support him, and 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 my the, my reason I'm bringing this up is obviously this one local bread guy is not someone that you're gonna check out, but I bet you there are people in your area too that are doing this in all sorts of different facets, and it's like it's it's often less expensive, and it's so much better, and it's better for your local community and your local economy, um, better for your health, better for your family, better for his family, better for everyone's family. It just Take the take the minute to use these resources to just like get off Amazon, and get into your neighborhood. You know, I love that. Okay, that's fantastic. Well done. Yeah, you're welcome. What is the and name go of to Crazy Breadman and go to guineapigtanks.com. 
Uh, I've, I've, he's like the Green Baker or something like that is his name. He's in Connecticut. I forget. I'd have to check with my wife, but... Please, thank you. Yeah. Um, Next time I'm uh, stalking you, I will stop by the Baker Baker guy. Yeah, yeah Baker Baker 1-9. Um, okay, did everybody tell us what grabbed their attention? Yeah, we're good? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're done. Our websites, williamlutes.com, timsway.net, and of Say course... It. New oh, guinea <laughs> guinea pig tanks dot com. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah that's that, right. That's are right. you replacing? Are you officially replacing newperspectives.com with guinea pig tanks dot com? <laughs> no, just for this one week. We'll see how okay, we'll see how it go. does. <laughs> guinea pig tanks dot com. Uh, contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback. We love hearing from you guys. Don't forget to record the, record record those voice notes and email them to us at info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com hit us up on twitter at reclaimed audio and leave us those five star reviews on itunes you can go right to our website reclaimedaudiopodcast.com there's a link it'll pop up itunes bingo bango and bob's your uncle patreon.com slash reclaimed audio the best way to support us if you believe the information we gave you Helped you make some money this Christmas holiday season. Right, Bill? Or gifts. Or gifts. No, yes, Patreon. Don't, come on. It's tis the season, people. Give. Patreon. Reclaimed audio. Right. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can give your Patreon gift to Reclaim Audio as a gift to someone else. You could get a Patreon account, a support to, and then how do you say that? Like when you buy a. Like you make a donation in someone else's name, right? In somebody else's name, right? You could. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I hate that. In so, fact, you know what you should do for your <laughs> children? Every one of your kids should have their own Patreon support reclaimed audio account. Somebody just did that to me. Oh, I just donated in your honor to the whatever, whatever. I was like, cool. I have my own causes that I donate to, and you just put me on the spot, and I don't like that. So you're a mean one. <laughs> Mr. Grinch. Mr. Grinch. <laughs> but I do give. I just like, I don't, I think but charity I, is a personal thing. You give, you just won't be forced to give. I won't be forced to give to your cause. I like my cause. I like, I okay, give to, so, you know, heart disease and children. I'm not interested in, you know, you know, uh, hangnails and stuff. Maybe they're just trying to say that you need to care about more diverse things. Wrap it up. Just wrap it up, guys. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I like to very be very specific about what I care about. Oh my God, <laughs> you've been like this since before we started recording today, the two of you. All right. All right. Um, with that being said, and sorry for Bill tonight, guys. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Bye, everybody. Be good, because Phil knows if you've been sleeping. <laughs> he knows if you're awake. That makes that makes me the good guy, though. Oh yeah, that's right. It's, um, it's be good or be Phil. <laughs> Why not both? I can't wait to see who donates to what charity in your name, Phil. <laughs> <laughs>